Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Friends Review Albums, a podcast where I get together with some friends, listen to an album in its entirety, and talk about it. My name is Andre, and I am the gorgeous host of this podcast. The album that we'll be talking about today is one of the greatest ones to come out of quarantine and soon to be found on Corona's COVID-19's 2020 greatest hits of the chaos global pandemic crisis. And that is Future Nostalgia, Dua Lipa's second album. This album was released on March 27, 2020, a week earlier than its original release date, thanks to those who leaked it, and was follow-up to her 2017 self-titled album. Future Nostalgia has been raved as a collection of sophisticated, hard-bodied pop funk. The Guardian classified Dua Lipa as a true pop visionary. And on the heels of Dula Peep winning Best New Artist just over a year ago, here is our discussion and review of Future Nostalgia. What do you think is her message as far as future nostalgia goes? Like, what is what, what do you think she means by that? And what is she wanting to convey to us? I don't necessarily think it has one in the sense of, like, a personal message. Like, the Beyonce album is very much of, like, a telling of her kind of persona. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like this is more futurized music inspired by, like, 70s. To not give a fuck or, like, be empowered and stuff like that. So maybe it's kind of, like, looking to the future and also the past to, like, be a little bit stronger. I agree with that. Like maybe instead of being nostalgic about the past, being more nostalgic about the future and like mm. looking for that instead. We look for these moments and we say, wow, like I'm going to remember this forever, you know? So it's like, I'm going to have nostalgia about this in years to come, but it's like about the present. And the fact that it's kind of like a more upbeat and party album is like, you make those moments when you're like when you're having fun when you're having the most fun you know like when we go to barbs and when we when we go to do all this stuff we're going to be old and we're going to be remembering these nights when we're at barbs and doing all this stuff and like oh remember this moment oh remember when this guy did this remember when this girl did this i think that's what the album is about and i think that's what she's trying to uh, help us perceive and what she's trying to invoke these would sound amazing live but she released it it's such like a weird point in time to where like people can sort of get away from pressures and anxieties of the outside world right now just like shut off and dance and be happy and like let this be an outlet for people to have a good time and celebrate and I feel like that's why she released it a week early too before the scheduled date also because it was leaked (laughs) that too (laughs) future nostalgia as this idea of being reminiscent or nostalgic about things that haven't happened yet but that you know are going to happen in the future. Like the first track is about female empowerment and like finding yourself as a woman and being powerful in that identity. That isn't necessarily the reality for everyone or every woman in this current reality. (laughs) It hasn't manifested it. It hasn't perceived it yet, as Andre would say. But I love the idea of looking forward to that when it's the norm for everyone, when it's something that everyone can enjoy and everyone will be able to look fondly upon that idea. So like looking towards the future and being reminiscent of that, nostalgic of that, and then putting it into this very comforting pop essence that brings you to that point. I I love that energy. It's like this idealized future that people are already feeling nostalgic for because her sound kind of brings us back to like, you know, the happy days, like 70s, 80s pop. 
but the themes are very much things that we have not achieved yet. In regards to the concept, again, of like future nostalgia, I felt like for me, there were hints of this, of a lot of the songs in here that like sort of brought me back to like middle school or high school a little bit. But it wasn't like cringy, like, oh, this is so overdone. It was like, oh, this is like kind of weird, but I'm into it. Like, it's it's like fun and it's good. Like the feeling you get when you hear like, a song from like a middle school dance that you love that you yeah. and your friends like but like there were several moments where like the song would go the song would start playing and i'd be like oh this is the bop or i'd be like oh i don't i don't like this i'm like this. and then i would be like dancing i was like you're dancing so it was like it was very um i think it was like for me like that tension of having a lot of that two different times for me yeah and i also think that because she talks a lot i read a few inter- interviews where she talked about like like the future nostalgia bit being about um, like one, just like taking us back to like disco era um, and being inspired by people like Madonna or like Gloria Gaynor and like Donna Summer, like the really big like disco names. And she definitely like is bringing that back into um, like pop culture right now. And I think Don't Start Now really pushed that kind of disco sound into like pop culture right now. And that's why I got like Say So by Doja Cat and other things that I think that like how she sings is very cool and like, current because okay so when i'm listening to the album because i listen to it quite a bit i always want to like do like extra riffs and runs and things that she's like i want her to do in the background but she doesn't do them because that's not the style right now you know everything's very like minimalistic and billy eilish and kind of like futuristic sounding and so she's like making this kind of pop that would not have been accessible accessible to these people by like stripping it down and i think that's for me what is so cool yeah, it's just like fucking cool. It just makes you feel good. I think it's cool. Like her and Billie Eilish are kind of showing like a new generation of people how to sing. Like there are, <laughs> other, there are other ways to sing than really loud or really fast up and down. Inflections and there's breaths and like a lot of stylistic things. Did anyone think that the the arc of this album was very interesting? I feel like it kind of peaks like two thirds of the way through. With what songs? With like... Love Again, I think was like, like Hallucinate and Love Again, I think were like the peaks of whatever it was doing and maybe Break My Heart. They started, it started like becoming a lot more, like the last three songs are a lot different than the la- than the rest of the album. Yeah, especially like from when we get from Hallucinate to Love Again, like just stylistically, they're very, like they hit on very different levels. And so I sort of get what you mean as far as art goes, that it we're sort of getting a lot of variety from Hallucinate to Love Again, and then it sort of goes back up to Break My Heart. It almost goes like progressively less pop. Future Nostalgia, Don't Stop Now, Cool, Physical, Levitating are all really new school pop centered. And then they all kind of become increasingly more avant-garde, Madonna-esque 70s songs. So the first one is Future Nostalgia. And one thing that I've noticed in this song that I really like is I feel like she's almost talking to us directly. It's a good intro to the album because she's basically saying, you're trying to figure me out. Let me reveal to you what I have working in this album. And then after Future Nostalgia, we get into this whole body of work that is almost reflecting, you know, stylistically what she's trying to communicate to us and thematically what she's trying to communicate to us as well but I like that in this song it feels very personal as far as her trying to communicate to her audience that's what I really liked about this song I agree with what you're saying Andre because she's had like backlash or at least people making fun of her (laughs) a lot so it's like 
and then but then people like love her new songs and then I feel like so it makes sense that she's kind of talking to like not even just her fans but maybe yeah like just anyone that's listening you've maybe heard this or that but like this is who I am yeah I really like the line can't be a rolling stone if you live in a glass house that's a that's a very cool lyric future nostalgia was my very least favorite song when I first listened to the album and then as I listened to it more, I don't know, I just got more of an appreciation for it. It sort of brought in the Gwen Stefani, Madonna, Blondie sort of styles. After Future Nostalgia, we get to Don't Start Now, which was number one single of the album. It was the first single, but it wasn't like, it wasn't number one. It was not number one, it was what, number two, right? It was number two. <laughs> so close. A fucking box song. Andre, I feel like you have a lot to say about this song, seeing as you were featured in a podcast <laughs> that That's many true. people might not have heard of. I don't know. Does does Vox, I think, is it their podcast? Wow, so so crazy that you're mentioning it. Social and Pop, they, they bring this up, but in Don't Start Now, it uses two different bass sounds. So like in the chorus, you get one bass. And then in the bridge, you get a completely different bass sound. And it's, it's super subtle, but I think it, it almost adds to the, the build of the song and, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think that's very cool. In the chorus, one of the lyrics is, walk away, you know how. Previously, she was dating a singer from the UK band Lainey. One of their songs is called Walk Away. So when she says, walk away, you know how, she's literally digging at this guy saying, walk away, you wrote a song about it, so you know how to do it. I love this tea. Yeah, I didn't know it was like a diss track, and it was done so elegantly, too. I knew it was about heartbreak. It's like what Emily was saying. It was done so elegantly. It was like, didn't even seem like a diss track. It was just her getting over the heartbreak of like her short-lived romance or something with this artist and just being like, I'm okay. I'm walking away from this. I think a big part of why it's everyone loves it so much is like not only just because it's it's so much fun, it's like really great, but and it's a really good song. I think everyone relates to it. Freaking like when Lizzo comes on in the club, all the girls are just like fucking jumping up and down. And I think everyone relates to this song as well in some fashion, you know, because we've all kind of felt that way about someone. Just to reiterate, the song is literally like about like that moment when you see your ex at a club or a bar or a party or something. And you're like, I'm just going to keep on dancing. I don't give a fuck what you're going to do. So if you don't want to see me out, stay home. That is like <laughs> such a mood. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that. I mean, Andre sort of said this at the beginning. Like, we don't hear, obviously, full albums. We listen to singles. So when I first heard it, I feel like when we hear a song that's charting, we don't really listen to, like, lyrical content a lot of the times. So when I first heard it, I heard this like really catchy instrumentation and like it was, it just was great for the ears. Like I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics. And once I did, I was like, wait, she's actually saying something. So I think that that was a really interesting moment. It's like when you actually get a song that's a bop and then also is saying some real shit. Well, also like if the theme of the album is kind of looking toward the future about, you know, like we're going to be better, we can be better and it's going to be better. Think about someone who maybe is going through something with a guy or a woman and they're kind of going through that experience of having to see an ex or someone they were involved with and they're kind of, you know, oh, there's anxieties about, I know that they're going to be out tonight, I don't really want to see them. And this, if they hear this song, you know, they're thinking like, hey, maybe I can be over this, the future nostalgia 
of being over something like this and, and being able to handle it too and being in the same room as that person. Going back to uh, just anxieties and the, the, the overall theme of the song, I feel like it's liberating. You know, like th there's, there's always a buildup and there was actually a study and bringing psychology into this, there was actually a study showing like what, like within music theory about how people with anxiety and people who suffer with anxiety always listen to music that always have a buildup. Finally, once it's built up, it's just, it all comes down. And it just, it's like, it's liberating, you know? With anxieties with like breakup and with, uh, relationships, I feel like that's a common theme, like music theory and how it's, and how it's played out and how it's uh, evoked with the song. Also, just something I just noticed when I was reading the lyrics, the second verse, she says, aren't you the guy who tried to hurt me with the word goodbye? That's like a direct quote from Glory Gainers, I Will Survive, which I just think is tight. And I did not catch that when I was listening without reading the lyrics, word for word, but she made it sound so like, she made it blend in so perfectly to her own song. Wow. Her mind. She's on another level on this album. From Don't Start Now, we get to Cool. This one is my number two on the album as far as favorite songs. And I feel like compared to the rest of, like a lot of the songs that we get on this album are very like hard pop slash disco, sort of like what we get from Don't Start Now and Break My Heart. And Cool sort of feels like almost a breath of fresh air a little bit from that, that sort of style that we get. And let me mention that Cool is also written by, co-written with Tavalu. That's just a fun fact. What emotions provoke whenever I listen to Cool? It sounds like summer romance, honestly. And it's just like so weird and so like not sounding like Dua Lipa, if that makes sense. But it's just like her going out of her comfort zone to make this song. I think that's an interesting theme that pops up throughout the album is this like idea of like being afraid, being on the brink of love, but being scared to like dive in fully. Because um, she mentions that on Break My Heart too. It's like, I'm like normally so like relaxed, but now I'm losing it because you're around and Break My Heart is about like, I don't want, I really like you and I'm scared to get my heart broken in that way. So I think it's really interesting that those pop up. I don't know if anybody has Apple Music, but like she has like an interview thing that she did for each song, little quotes that she wrote about for each track. So Mikey, interesting you say romantic and summary. She literally said, we wrote something that felt really real to me, and it's just a romantic summary song about meeting someone who has you losing while you're cool. So that was just really cool. And then also, she mentioned that her A&R played this song for her like two years ago. So it's just really interesting to see how like a two-year gap, and she said she hated it when she first heard it. So yeah. to hear that like comes back and full circle and where it made its place on this album is really interesting. The theme I figured with it was like losing your cool and not like being cool because listening to that, it, it's so weird and it's so like, I guess, kind of contradicting to have like, don't start now, just like a summer breakup song of just like, I'm over this, like, I don't need this shit in my life. And then cool is the next track. And that's like, I wasn't expecting like this to happen or like this romance to come into my life. Yeah, I like that she instantly becomes, she goes from like a, a badass breakup song to like the super vulnerable, breathy vocals. Um, very reminiscent of Carly Rae Jepsen, in my humble opinion as well. I think it sounds like it's right off of Dedicated. It's probably why it's like one of my favorite tracks off the album as well. I'm repping my Dedicated tour shirt actually, just coincidentally. It's almost like Dua Lipa does a 180 from Don't Start Now. A full one? A full 180. <laughs> one thing that I also like about Cool is I like how 
the production is sort of it's sort of sparse in the chorus and her melodies are and her, her melodies almost reflect that like her, her melodies will be sort of consistent eighth notes and then it'll stop and then the production will sort of hit in to sort of fill in the blanks and it's almost like the melody and the production are sort of in this like uh in this conversation together in a really unique way that i don't feel like we see in a lot of the other songs. I feel like the other songs are a little more consistent as far as melody versus production. And this one, it's almost like the melody is complementing the gaps that are where the melody stops. So I felt like that was a really cool part. I was thinking the same thing. I feel like her melodies use a lot more space than most other pop singers' melodies. Like she leaves a lot of room for like introspection between chunks of the verse, like with Don't Stop Now and with this song. And I feel like with a bunch of the other ones, it's little micro verses making up the verse instead of really, really, really long lines. Off of that though, like sort of what Emily was saying about this song being a little more introspective, like maybe it's also effective that, especially in this song, that her melodies are sparse because it gives her room to maybe reflect on this relationship that she's, she's entering or it gives her room to just very literally for us to almost be in her shoes and be like, oh, like I'm getting into this new relationship and I'm, what does it make me feel? And the sparse melodies almost reflect that space for introspection, which is sort of adding to your point as well. From cool, we get to physical. This song fires me up. Oh my God. It's, It's like the best like 80s pop throwback like homage I've heard in a while, probably in like, 2020 so far of just song that reminds me of like an 80s pop can't you just picture people running around in like colorful spandex in time there's two music videos because yeah. there's like the the, the beautiful yeah, is, yeah, the and then the, there's like a workout video which is very like olivia newton john inspired this is my favorite song on the album, hands down. When I first heard it, I'm, I didn't know what could top it. There's just also just nostalgic elements musically, but then also lyrically, like Diamond Rich, I feel like is a nostalgic sort of lyric. I don't know, you think of Audrey Hepburn or that's just something I thought. And then one thing in her Apple Music thing she says is, when the song comes on, I want people to be like, okay, we're doing shots. If she says it, then we do it. That's so good. Just like versatile in that aspect of pumping people up, making people happy, like putting people in a good mood. It it just is very reminiscent of like 80s workout videos and like a little bit of like the Rocky theme where it just really makes you want to like run up and down a bunch of flights of stairs and wear a leotard. I think that kind of speaks for itself, honestly. I like the lyric that says, all night I'll riot with you. I know you got my back and you know I got you. Makes me think of dancing with my friends and stuff and just like kind of going crazy and we got each other and makes me very happy. It's interesting that this album and this kind of music, the music that it was inspired by was a lot more crowd music that I feel like is kind of being brought back. Like 70s disco, like the way people experienced music was like they went out and went to discos, experienced it in mass. And I feel like we don't do that anymore, but this music particularly is like best experienced like that. Oh, I like that. That's cool. She's wanting those nostalgic moments to be the future of how we experience the music, almost. Well, yeah, it's like a direct callback to Olivia Newton-John's physical. And same with the Gloria Gaynor reference from the other song. Like, she's very much bringing in a bunch of these famous callbacks to, what did you call it, crowd pop? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, 70s music was meant to be experienced, like, in giant crowds. Like, it was a, it was a community experience physical music of people just like wanting to expend energy 
And I feel like that's what a lot of this is too. Nice. Yeah. She's definitely making these conscious callbacks to that era. So after physical, we get to levitating. So this is going to be a little like technical, but so in Don't Start Now, it's very pentatonic heavy, like pentatonic scale. Levitating is very literally structured the same melodically. If we're talking about themes across the album, I think melodically she is in different tracks, bringing us back to this pentatonic theme of how she's building her melodies. Um, so that's one very interesting thing that I, she's doing across the album, just not even thematic about future nostalgia, but just thematically of how she's creating her melodies. She's very much so building them very similarly in different tracks. Pinic, pin, pentatonicness, does that like have a <laughs> specific, like, does it make you feel something specifically or like why, if she's doing it on purpose, what is it to make us feel? Is that, I don't, that sounds like a music theory kind of question. I don't know. Definitely isn't the thing with the pentatonic scale kind of like everything sounds good with everything. It's kind of impossible to make a bad decision in the pentatonic scale. Everything sounds good with itself all the time. Is it the glitter in the glitter in the sky, glitter in my eyes? Mm. Oh no, it's like the chorus. It's like the chorus. Yeah, the, cor- the chorus is my favorite in this one. There's yeah. my favorite lyric. My sugar boo, I'm levitating. The Milky Way, mm. we're it's my favorite lyric in this album. Is that like synth? Would you call that a synth? That That's is. like a 70s like pop synth. That's what I figured. I was like, hmm. But I, I do like the intro into it. I like how she talks about like planets in it too. And like Milky Gal- like the Milky Way and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, to add off that, I feel like it's like right place, right time. Like the planets are aligned. Mm, like, yeah. We're falling ah! in love together. Oh my gosh. I feel like this song, it's interesting that, Andre, you pointed out the similar pentatonic themes in the melody Ooh. because the energy of the song and the lyricism is completely opposite to Don't Start Now. Like, in Don't Start Now, you are over it. You are done. You're ready. You've processed. You're, you're, you've moved on. Here is where you're moving on to a new thing that you are now ready to be immersed in and it's the same theme it's a very similar melody but it's completely different stories similar energy because it's at a similar point in the processing of like moving on from a previous relationship to a new relationship that is like has vitality and that you're invested in yes love that a hundred percent maybe a hundred five (laughs) bucket what i also like about the song is and this is something she does in a lot of the songs but We'll sort of get our verse, our chorus, our second verse, our chorus. And when we get into the bridge slash build up into the last chorus, most of these songs, she's very strategically totally stripping down the bridge to sort of have us build up back into this final chorus that we know we're expecting. Very pop, very disco chorus, but she strips it down because we're not expecting it to then build us back up to what we're expecting of a final chorus to sort of finally wrap up the song. And I feel like she does that very effectively and sort of what she's doing with the melody effectively with each of these bridges uh, is very strategic, just to sort of bring us back into what the message is about the song and then have us, you know, back into the final chorus, which is sort of the final build as well. So I really like that. From Levitating, we get to Pretty Please. Very much so on like the production front. I think the build is beautifully done. Like no other song I think on this album does it as strategic. At the beginning of the song, it's only bass and drums and the drums are very sparse. And not only until the halfway through the second verse do we get more harmony from a piano standpoint or anything like that. And it's just this constant build. And I feel like it sort of encapsulates the theme of what she's talking about in this song of sort of 
I don't know, this longing, I guess, for, for a connection with someone or something like that. But I feel like the build production-wise of this song is so beautifully done and so strategic. Yeah, like if we're talking about the arc of this album, I feel like this is the point where she's met some like really hot someone. The next few songs are very like sexual tension. I was reading the lyrics as I were sitting here and I was like, oh girl, you met someone. In Levitating is kind of where that starts. She's like, we just met. If you want to let fucking levitate or fucking do it. And then like at Pretty Please on the next maybe three, she's kind of like, bitch, let's go. <laughs> yeah, with, with this one, because I was looking at the lyrics too. And like in the beginning when she says like, I said if we took it there, I wasn't going to change, but that went out the window. She's just like being herself. She had a relationship reciprocated and she had feelings met with this person. And now with this song, she's like, well, this is me and this is who I'm going to be. And if you don't like it, what are we going to do about it? And I feel like that arc leads up into the next couple of songs. I feel like she's just trying to risk it all. You know, she's like, let's do it all on the table, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like she put her eggs all in this one basket and just well i'm in too deep with this but i gotta be like who i am and i gotta be me the second track is like this powerful breakup song and then it goes from if you see me having fun in public like go fuck yourself to oh maybe there's this new guy like i feel pretty cool this is my favorite song on the album i think it's like just brilliant in so many ways and julia michaels is also just like she's this is a song that she wrote on this album uh, and she's incredible I think it's just like sexy as fuck. And I think she said it's about like that like new relationship kind of feeling when you're just like, I just want to like going at it all the time, teetering on the edge of it being like something like really real and intense, which I think is exciting. Um, Also, I love how like it almost, to me, it feels like she tries to like slow herself down. Like, okay, so you know like how... And then it goes... There's like silence and it's like on my ease and then the, that's so fucking cool uh, and I think she does it on purpose and it feels like she's trying to like slow herself down from like falling into this relationship that's how I think of it at least um, but yeah she's a genius and this is my favorite song it's so fucking good but when you're off, off of what you're saying about like, how she slows it down she's almost very literally like when she's singing. Like she's intentionally slowing that part down too. And then it gets it back into the groove and that's- Yeah. Yeah, that control is awesome though too. It's so cool. So good. One of my favorite lyrics on this, in this song is trickle down my spine. I just feel like that's so visual and I I don't know another lyric that talks about the spine that way. The whole spine. <laughs> I feel like it's just great and, <laughs> and very visual, and I, I like it. I love. Yeah, most Shout artists swap like a few vertebrae. <laughs> yes. Really brave of her. <laughs> One tailbone maximum. We love a good tailbone. So after "Pretty Please," we get to "Hallucinate." Well, I feel like that's with a lot of her songs, but I feel like it's a song that already existed or it should have existed, but like we still needed this one too. I just feel like I've heard this song before, but I haven't. And it's like, it feels like a classic. I think that's what, that's the whole, that's the title. It's like, it all sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it all sounds kind of familiar, but it's new. This song, when I first heard it, reminded me of Lady Gaga's new single. It reminded me of that, sort of that hard, like sort of aggressive-ish pop. Andre, I was just listening to it again, and I thought like, this kind of sounds like Lady Gaga. A lot of people have alluded this song to... Kylie Minogue, our Australian 
sort of pop disco queen. If you know the Locomotion song, that was Kylie Minogue, but it's sort of alluding to her genre. Yeah, this is top of my favorite songs on the album. And it's interesting, so Dua Lipa, about this song, she says, this is one of my festival songs. Whenever I make a song, I imagine what they'd be like if I performed them at Glastonbury. I knew there'd be no way I could do a festival without this song. So that's just like putting it into perspective of like what she was going for. Pierce just said, crowd music. So back to that sort of 70s. From Hallucinate, we get to Love Again. And this one, I feel like is quite different from what we've heard earlier in the album, just as far as aesthetic, I guess. Like it's very string heavy at the beginning. The intro is very different. It doesn't hit as hard as a lot of the other ones. This is the, the first one that's like very string heavy, I feel like the, the, the strings are almost mimicking what she's doing melodically. And you don't really get that in a lot of the other songs. This is where the album to me started go- getting very avant-garde 70s. Like Mad- I, this was a song where I was like, where's the Madonna sample? Because the beginning strings like sound like the intro of that really famous Madonna song. But I feel like from here on, you started hearing a lot more like abstract. The string sample is from a 70s band. Uh, White Town and the song is like their most popular song, Your Woman. So it's definitely like taking samples of popular 70s and popular like themes within this song to make sure that that this is like just driving that point home. I love this. She says, this was the song for me to give me a little cuddle. <laughs> it was about hopeful that I would fall in love again. We then get to Break My Heart. One of the lyrics in the chorus is, I would have stayed at home because I was doing better alone. And then she says, I should have stayed at home because now there ain't no letting letting you go. This for me is almost alluding to what she was saying or she's bringing us back to what she was saying in, um, in Don't Start Now. She's talking about, if you, wanna, if you don't want to see me having fun, you stay home. And now here she's saying, I should have stayed at home. I would have stayed at home. And it's almost like she's bringing us back to like, this is what I was telling someone else. I almost need to be telling myself this in order for myself not to break my heart with this new partner or with this new situation with this other person. So I feel like she's almost bringing this theme back of heartbreak and how to navigate it. And lyrically, she's very much so pulling in these themes back that sort of brings this whole album together. So I felt like that was, as far as comparing Break My Heart and Don't Start Now, um, I feel like there are a lot of similar lyrical themes, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, you can have the mentality of, you know what, I'm going to just do whatever, you know, I'm just going to keep doing me. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Like, if you're around and you have a problem with it, like, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to have a good night no matter what, if you're here or not. But then maybe she's second guessing of like, okay, yeah, like, that's cool. I can do that. But maybe I need to take care of myself and like, realize that I have the responsibility to remove myself from a situation. So like, maybe if you're going to be there that night, maybe I decide to stay home because I need to protect myself and like, not just about like, oh, I can just keep doing whatever I want and be and like convince myself that I'm fine being around you. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I need to do some something else, like stay home and not be near you. And yeah. I have the responsibility of taking care of myself so I don't like, so I don't hurt myself again or get hurt again. I kind of interpreted it the opposite way. I sort of thought she was saying like, I I might have been comfortable by myself, but that doesn't mean I like, like I should have stayed at home because I was doing better alone. But when you said hello, I don't remember the rest of that line. But I think it's talking, I thought it was talking about how she could have stayed in her comfortable little bubble, but instead she decided to be vulnerable and put herself out there and it ended up working out for her because unless I just like misinterpreted the song, I kind of thought it was like, I thought it implied that 
things were going well with the person that she risked it all for. I think as a person that is very guarded to people I don't know and to new love interests, I think that it's that feeling of like finding someone you really like and but you're used to doing your own thing and you're like also like really fearful of this thing that you really like this person that you really like because it's like if I dive into this like actually do it this is going to change everything that I'm used to doing that I like doing um so it's definitely about that like fear and anxiety and like I could have stayed at home but I guess I'm going to try to do this now it feels like she's talking to herself Um, it reminds me it reminds me of a scene from this great show of like called looking on hbo it's very gay but like that idea of like when you're with someone and you don't know if they're like ready to be in love being being really into someone and being a little like afraid to like take that final step into like being in that relationship and i that shit's hard so that's why i think she it's like a pep talk to herself almost um am i gonna fall am i gonna let myself fall for this person that could break my heart and that's exactly the lyric she says. Am I falling in love with the one that could break my heart? She's not sure of it because nothing negative has necessarily happened yet, but she's already putting that self-doubt into that relationship. Because love is hard. Who said it was easy? Not Dua Lipa. <laughs> one song where she says it's easy. So from Break My Heart, we get to good in bed. Britpop fantasy. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think it's it explains the madness of it all. Taylor, what was that lyric that you said you liked? Oh, the moonlight. <laughs> I hate like good pipe and the moonlight. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, all that good pipe and the moonlight. That's like some Twilight ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like during like a like a lull in the in the in the background, the instrumentals. It's so ridiculous. I dedicate this verse to all that good pipe in the moonlight. <laughs> Retweet, Michael. It definitely reminds me of Lily Allen. Yes, I it's definitely kind of her style. Yeah. Is it the melody? Is it the way it's produced? It just was very like. I don't know. I think what I said in the chat is very British. Like, it just gave me, like, a, like Eliza Doolittle. I don't know. It's just, I just got those vibes. I don't know how to describe it. Melody. Like, I like a British a British rap. Yeah. Uh, def- definitely yeah. a product of it. Like It has that, like, lilty, musical, repetitive chorus. Yeah. It's, like, cutesy almost. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in this song, she's, and it almost applies to, like, what she's, saying in the song too like she's using a lot of unconventional ways of singing like she's she's almost doing like the more of like the the talking almost and not so much like, like it's not about like the the beauty in her voice it's more about like the little bit of like dirtiness or like which sort of affects you know maybe the message that she's trying to evoke as well but when she's doing her chromatic moment in the chorus she's goes deeper than just chromatic so basically her notes are like she goes from a D sharp to a D to a C sharp to a C, which is chromatic. However, if you listen very closely, she's hitting five different notes. However, I just said D sharp, D, C sharp, and C, which are four different notes. So she's almost breaking down like the D sharp into two different notes and then going down chromatically. So basically what I'm saying is those are the four notes, but she's hitting five notes. So she's like, there's, I don't know what the technical term is for that, but Jacob Collier, who is 
a crazy UK, very theoretical musician. He talks about this a lot, but basically like if you break down into a scale and into the chromatics of a scale, there are like notes within chromaticism that exist. Within it's, it's actually like almost out of tune. Like it's like a blue note. It's like right in between like a D sharp and a D and it is like a quarter tone. It's an Eastern music. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like this random out of tune, like blue note. Like a lot of artists will actually leave a note out of tune because it somehow fits inside of the chord. Like it's weird. Is this like a quarter tone such like what? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Maybe it's quarter tone that I'm talking about. I don't know the really analogical. But if you listen to it, she's like hitting a note between the D sharp and the D. I guess lyrically, do you guys get like a positive vibe when you hear this song? I think the song is about like a hookup that you keep hooking up with because the sex is good, but like they're a terrible person and you hate them. But the fact that there's like that tension there that you don't really like them that much is what makes the sex good. I was gonna say like almost <laughs> exactly what you just said, word for word. You're having, it's just like, it, I think musically it sounds like really light and fun yeah. because when you're with a person who makes you feel that way, that's how you're trying to make things stay. Even if you might be feeling like a lot darker on the inside, like how the lyrics kind of hint at, but she's she's just keeping it all light on the surface at least. Brings in like the super happy melody and the cutesy lyrics. Wow. I think it has a little bit of a darker mood under the surface. For sure. She said she was like, it, it was fun to make a song like this that was so carefree and open, but those relationships never last. It's like a cautionary tale. So like it being a cautionary tale is a good sort of two word summarization of this song. I think this yeah, I just, evokes like a juxtaposition with like, you know, future is like you're looking toward the future and nostalgic is like usually you get sad with nostalgia because you're like reminiscing over the past. The upbeat tempo contrasting with the lyrics, it's uh, also a just, juxtaposition. And that's also what I noticed. So are you, are you thinking like romanticizing? Yes. Because that's what I was thinking yeah. earlier is like maybe there's also themes of how, you know, the future nostalgia, you look back at a relationship and you think back on all the good times and you forget why you ended it in the first place. And so maybe there's a little bit of a theme there with that as well, because as you can see, it's not all positive. The whole album isn't just all like happy. So I was thinking that at the beginning of the whole conversation too. So it's funny you brought that up because yeah. I was thinking like future nostalgia. It's like all these moments I'm going to, the good and the bad, I'm going to be nostalgic about it. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, there's, there's going to be moments that are, uh, you know, I saw with rose tinted glasses and then there's going to be moments that really are worth being nostalgic about. But some of it is also going to be second guessing how I handled things and then kind of romanticizing it and seeing it differently than how it actually played out. After good in bed, we get two boys. We'll be boys. The disclaimer. Cautionary tale. <laughs> what are boys? Who knows? I've never met one. <laughs> so we're all men here. There are no boys in this <laughs> chat room. Oh, who are you calling a boy? I loved those lyrics so much. <laughs> the boys will be boys, but girls will be women. Like, I felt it. This whole time I thought it was, but the girls, girls will, will be, be with, with me. me. I thought that too. But I also- no, the girls don't want to be with these boys. And then I also appreciate that she brings it back home with like a, men should be held accountable for their actions track because honestly, every album should have that in 2020. 
Yeah, it was like a, a disclaimer in the form of a song. I loved it. <laughs> in condition. Like, yes, I'm in love with the man again, but <laughs> that's not it. It doesn't end there. I love this song. It is my favorite. Me and Andre have talked about this. I love the message. I love that it's so clever. I thought towards the end it was getting a little cheesy with like, if you take offense to this or whatever, you know, but she pulled it back. Anyways, um, I thought this was a little bit similar to, like when I heard this, my first thought was Taylor Swift wishes she could have done this, but didn't do it. Wait, yes. I am a literal bitch. I don't care about all this deep shit. Like, I'm not listening to the lyrics that hard, but she got to the point. She said exactly what she meant. It's everything Taylor Swift has ever wanted with all of her diss tracks, and she just did it so well. It was so to the point, so concise. This is the executive memo I need in every album. This is what I want. It's all I need. Good job. Not up for interpretation at all. It's just Executive memo. I think the cheesiness is part of the charm. Like, it is very cheesy. It has a choir in the background. It's very cheesy. Um, but it's part of the charm. And it feels very... Someone mentioned an artist earlier who I can't remember. Oh, uh, Selena Gomez, Lose You to Love Me. I do feel that. But I really like the second verse when she says, uh, <laughs> I'm sure if there's something that I can't find the words to say, I know that there will be a man around to save the day. And that was sarcasm in case you needed it mansplained. I should have stuck to ballet. Genius. Her mind. <laughs> it's just so good. It's just fun. Emily hated it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just did think it was very heavy-handed. But at the same time, I acknowledge that that was intentional. She's being tongue-in-cheek about it because she knows she has to put it out there in such black and white terms in order for people not to try to put words in her mouth. I'm lactose intolerant, so I really couldn't listen to the song. <laughs> Thank you for participating in this. What I like about these is I like hearing other people's perspectives about music and about albums. And this gives us a view into other people's ways of listening to albums and what they think and what they sort of gather from it. So that's what I love about this. So thank you for participating and thank you for sharing your beautiful thoughts. Thank you, Andre. Yeah. I wish you had been my high school. Thank you, Andre. Thanks again for listening to another episode of My Friends Review Albums. Go ahead and give MFRA a follow on Instagram and subscribe to this channel on whatever streaming service you use and stay tuned for another episode. Until then, stay safe, stay warm, and don't get COVID. Bye.